you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Sunday morning, amen, to our worship team, thank you for coming early again today as you do every week, that we'd be nestled to the throne room of the Lord. I'm going to read a familiar scripture into your hearing this morning. I had planned to go a different direction all week. The Lord dealt with me last week, and I had planned it all week to go a different direction Yesterday afternoon, I just felt wisdom in perhaps holding what I felt the Lord wanted me to say uh, and still wants me to say, um, but I just felt to go a different direction for this particular service. As we approach the awakening, I feel that every service is so very important because God is sending specific words during this season that is for a specific purpose. And I appreciate all of you that are being faithful. Our prayer meetings are so very important. Last Wednesday, uh, Brother uh, Evan Gilliland spoke, and I've listened online to that message that he spoke, and he did a marvelous job. And if you weren't able to be here, get online and listen to the word that he spoke last week. Let's just see what the Lord has for us in this season. I'm excited about what God's doing. Amen. I recognize that most are not off of social media. Some are. I do invite you to please get on and share the awakening advertisements uh, that we are using. Um, The purpose of us taking a space from social media is to remove the clutter uh, out of our life. Though some of you, uh, your jobs and businesses require social media, um, and of course the work of advertisement and things for the church, um, it is about entertainment and choosing different kinds, uh, different methods of entertainment. Entertain yourself in the Word of God. Entertain yourself in the things of God. 
you've got to listen to music, turn on a good gospel song and let it minister to you. Amen. Amen. Spending time alone with the Lord. Psalm chapter 23, very familiar passage this morning. And I'm just going to read one verse. Well, these first few words in this verse, Psalm 23, verse 1, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you today, God, for the inspiration of your word and for what you have been speaking into my spirit. I pray this morning, God, that you would use what I am going to speak this morning to be an encouragement and a strength for this congregation today. Lord, lift our heads this morning, lift our hearts this morning. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated today. Regardless what you see in me, and regardless how many faults that you see in me, we have to be careful not to pass judgment. Because except for the grace of God, we would be in the same shoes. But when you live upright before the Lord, you walk in his statutes, we should expect that goodness and mercy is going to follow us. It is not our goodness and it is not our mercy, but it is his goodness and it is his mercy that are going to follow us. Psalm 37 begins with the steps of a good man or ordered of the Lord. The steps of a good man or ordered of the Lord. I see this passage intertwined all through Scripture as the Scripture unveils the ideal that those who walk upright before the Lord, our steps are ordered and the footprints are our history, are everywhere we go, we'll have words written there such as goodness and mercy. We will not leave behind us a trail of, as we say in our everyday vernacular, we will not leave a trail of blood everywhere we go. It's not hurt and pain and disappointment. But those whose steps are ordered of the Lord will leave behind them a history of goodness and righteousness and peace and mercy. David was a man of destiny. When one begins to examine the life of David, we find a man 
man who ended his life well. But between the lad that tended the sheep that wins the hearts of every reader and the king in the palace, David's life was full of humanity. But God always makes room for humanity, and he calls it grace. The space between our faults and failures and our eternal home in heaven is going to have to have a whole lot of grace or none of us are going to make it. The only way that goodness and mercy can follow us is by God's grace. David comes on the scene as a shepherd boy whom God took from the sheepfold eventually to dwell in the palace. This man was called by God and ordained for greatness even when man was not mindful of him. David eventually became a man that was dear to God's own heart. The first time the name of David was mentioned in the Bible was Ruth chapter 4, and then again prior to that time he was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel chapter 13. His name is written all through the pages after David's anointing and the time of David operating or living in that anointing were many years of David tending sheep. I recognize the, the call of society today, and it is where we are, and it is where we are as a Christian movement. Today, everybody wants to be a giant pillar. Can I get an amen? And everybody wants to end up the famous king in a palace. But they want to get there without the years of faithful service on the hillside tending sheep. David wasn't called from a pulpit or a tabernacle. David was called by God from his place of employment. I'm intentionally taking my time in this runway today for what I want to say because I want it to rest on every one of us that regardless where we are, God can call us. David working faithfully in his father's field would have been overlooked by most men, but he wasn't overlooked by God. Samuel asked Jesse, do you have a son? And, of course, the answer was yes, and he tells him one of them is going to be anointed king. So the proud Jesse undoubtedly responding to Samuel with calm assurance gathers his sons together and says to him, yes, here they are, and he lines them up. Here are all of my qualified sons. And he goes down the list of all of his sons with Eliab and Abinadab and Shema and Ozam. And the list goes on. And all of these sons who had been trained and, and were, were qualified, they were men of war, they were capable to lead. Surely one of them would become 
the next king of Israel. They were qualified. They were educated for the task. They were ready to step up. Any of them could have served in the capacity. They all were prepared by man. They all had the education and the understanding. But Samuel, the man of God, looks at all of them and he looks back at Jesse and he says to Jesse, is there not another son? I've looked over all of these young men and they're all fine specimens. They're all wonderful young men. But I'm not finding the one that God says yes to being the next king. I can only imagine that Samuel looks at him and says, is there not another son? And then Jesse's response of reluctantly, yes, there, there, there is one more son. There, there is another, but, but he's not qualified. Um, he, he doesn't meet all of your qualifications. He, he's in the field. He's tending sheep. He's not skilled like his brother. He doesn't have the training like his brother. Um, he's not the most socialized. He, he, now he can write you a song, and and he can play he can play music. Um, he's lovable. He's enjoyable uh, to be around. Uh, he he's a cute little fellow. Uh, he, but he he smells like. He wouldn't be voted the most likely to succeed. He, he's just, in, in the world, I think we call it the it factor. He, he missed it. He didn't have the it factor. Look at all of his brothers as they stood proudly in line, standing feet together, shoulders back, chin up, looking Samuel in the eye. Would it not be the eldest? Would it not be the strongest? Would it not be the most intellectual? Would it not be the most skilled in battle? Would it not be the one that could always win the wrestling match out in back of Jesse's house? No, no, bring, bring the lad into the house. Bring him to me. In walks one from his field of labor. In walks one that smelled like sheep. Surely God wouldn't promote such a lad to be a king, but God saw beyond the external, and God looked into the heart. And I believe in foreknowledge, understanding that his life was going to be riddled with faults, and failures, and mistakes, mess-ups and sin, affairs and murder, would God dare to choose such a one whose life was a total wreck? Yes. Samuel said, yes. God will promote. 
such a one. Because God saw beyond the external. And he saw beyond the peripheral. And he saw beyond the humanity, the mistakes, the messed ups, the misspoken words, the wrong actions, the wrong at times when everything that he did was wrong. But God looked into the heart and he saw something in the heart that man cannot see. He saw something into the heart of a lad and he saw in him, that young man is after my own heart. And the Lord places his hand upon Samuel and he says that, that boy, it's not the one that is the strongest, the smartest, the most gifted, the most well-trained, the best looking, but it is him. It is the one with the heart that says, even though I fall, I will get back up. Even when I make a mistake, I'll get back up. I will go back to a point of repentance. I'll come back to the point because God, I am after God's heart. I am after God's heart. I and he saw into the heart and he says that's the man that is going to say surely 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 goodness and mercy is going to follow me I'm full of faults I'm full of failures but surely surely goodness and mercy will follow me Samuel takes David and he takes a horn of oil that he had brought with him. And he began to anoint David to be the next king of Israel. Here's where the story gets so interesting. He was anointed king. But he is sent back into the field to be faithful at tending sheep. Some would have been offended. Some would have claimed church hurt. Some would have found fault. Some would have said, I, me, well, look at me. I'm, I've been anointed by Samuel. I, I have a job to do that is much greater than tending sheep. Too often, I believe we, I'll speak for myself, too often I get caught up saying, God, how long before my elevation is coming? How long am I going to have to do this job of tending sheep? Before my elevation comes, how 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 long am I? How long, God, am I going to be where I am? I, David even said that. He even asked God, "How long?" God, why? Why am I going to? Why am I going through the things I'm going through? God, why am I facing it? David even asked God, "Why?" God, when? When, when is my promotion going to happen? David even asked God the question of when. Pastor, don't you know I'm, I'm anointed? Don't you know I am called? Yes, 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 David, I do. Yes, I do. Go and be faithful in the tending of sheep. He 
wasn't trained by the top soldier. He didn't rub shoulders with those who could promote him. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't put in around the people of society. As a matter of fact, he had become a loner, a loner on a hillside with a handful of sheep. The learning he had came from his own research, his own understanding, the own, his own study of the scripture. He had to train himself. But when the lion and the bear came, he was ready to fight them like a man. He was ready to fight them when they came. Yes, the lion and the bear came. Yes, and every one of you, if you've been anointed of God this morning, if you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, if God has saved you, it does not exempt you from the trials of this life. I, I, I'm telling you, you are in good company today. If you feel like you're going through it or you have gone through it or you're in the middle of it, I came this morning to remind you, you are in good company. It's just part of what God does. It is the working things out of us and working things into us. But there is a season before we arise to sit on the throne. There is a season that God is working on us and there we're going to fight some things in our life. David didn't go into the wilderness looking for a fight with a lion or a bear. He went there to take care of a sheep. He went there to save a lamb. He went there of his own accord to watch after sheep that didn't even belong to him. They were his father's sheep. It was how he paid his way in his own family, as the custom was of that day, even as a lad working in the field. But when the bear came and the lion came, he didn't say, no, the risk is too great. A lion could take me out. A bear could take me out. i got to tuck all of my things under my, under my arm, and I've got to run from all of it. Oh, no. Oh, no, he didn't. He understood. Hey, I have been anointed. I have been anointed. And there are some things about the anointing that's going to call us into things that we never expected and we didn't sign up for, like fighting lions and fighting bear and even fighting giants like Goliath. We didn't sign up for it. That was not my calling. That was not my job. But I've got to become the victor over the lion and the bear and the giant because God has called me to greater things. Sometimes the battle in your life are not so that you can get, get beyond it or get it behind you and walk in complete victory, but the battle may be to prepare you for an even greater battle. Can I tell you today that God knew you before you were ever born? He already established his plans and purposes for your life before you were ever conceived. Nobody, listen to me this morning, nobody, not one, not your pastor, not your spouse, not your friend, not your children, not your parents, nobody in this
this room has the ability to prevent you from fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose in his life except you. You are the only individual. You can hurt me, you can offend me, you can do all sorts of things, but the Bible gives me direction on how to handle every bit of it. And if I want to rule and reign with him, there is one thing I know. When I walk away from every issue, there is something that's got to be left in my footprints. And it is goodness and mercy. It is goodness and mercy. It is goodness and mercy. It is if I, everywhere I go, I cannot go everywhere and leave behind me the, the, the history of, of the one that is going to speak well let's talk about him well he's the he's the offended pastor he's the wounded pastor he's the hurt pastor he's the crippled pastor you know he's the pastor that didn't have things go the way that he thought it, it should he's the pastor you know that 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 thinks that things are going one way and then they go another you know I no 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 what's got to be said of me is that he's the pastor that persevered through every trial and every temptation and if I don't, it's not your fault, I can promise you. And it's not my daddy's fault or my brother's fault or my sister's fault, but it's me. I've got to make up my mind. Surely, goodness and mercy are going to follow me. When people speak about me, they're going to say he went through the fire and he came out smelling without the smell of smoke. But in his trail, everywhere he walked, there was goodness and mercy. talk a lot about our outlook on life. But what about our reputation, about how we handle life? Your reputation can precede you. Mm, I want that to settle in with you. Your reputation, what you're leaving behind you, can precede you. In other words, we can develop a reputation that is so popular and everybody knows before we ever get there, people are already expecting what our history lesson has taught us. This is why it is so very important that we don't look at our pains and our anguish and our hurts, even our faults, even our failures. Can I go further? Even our sins. And allow it to define our future. The very purpose of the blood of Calvary is to wash and to cleanse and to make us a new creature in Christ Jesus. That means old things are, nobody going to help the preacher this morning, old things are passed away and behold all things have become new that means what is ahead of me I have the ability to rewrite I can't help what I've done in my past but I can repent over it and I can put it behind me 
Uh Let me break it down for you. I can't just put it behind me, but I've got to repent over it. That means there has to be a change of mind. I have to recognize my fault. I have to recognize my failure. I have to recognize my wrong. And I have got to admit it before God and everybody that I hurt with what I have done in my history, in my past. And i got to make it right with God and everybody that I hurt and offended. But when I get up from that altar, the blood of Jesus washes over me and makes me white as snow. I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I used to be. Hey, you may have known me back then, but that's not who I am at this moment. I have been washed in the blood. Surely, 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 goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely it will. The only way I can be confident in that is by His blood. God knew you before you were ever formed. He already established His plans, His purposes in your life. God perfected His work in you before you ever realized what He was doing. As a matter of fact, some of the things that you're going through are doing nothing but preparing you for what is coming. It doesn't matter how people look at you and want to not be forgiving and not want to allow you to put it under the blood. If they bring things up to you that's under the blood, you need to smile at them and say, that's under the blood. That's under the blood. Well, what in the world? What if they look at me weird? I'm not worried about how people look at me. I'm worried about how God looks at me. That man, Pastor, that man, you're telling me God can use him? Pastor, you don't mean that God can use me. Yes, he can. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God? No, not God. God looks on the heart. I mean, look at me, Pastor. I'm a failure. My life has been riddled with thoughts and disappointments. Oh, but I rise to this pulpit this morning to stand and tell someone that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And he saw something in David beyond every fault and failure that he saw in his future. And he was going to look at him, a man that had had an affair and ended up killing the lady's husband, all because of a decision that he made. But listen, God looked beyond even those despicable sins and God saw something in David that man would have never seen. They would have said, no, leave him on the backside of the desert, but that's not how God works. He looked beyond the big, bold, strapping intellectual. He looked beyond the good-looking, well-mannered, well-dressed brother, and he said, give me the boy that has the right heart, that is on a hillside, and I'll do something with him because his heart is right. People, even men of God, sometimes fail to see from God's perspective. When you walk in the grace and divine favor of God, particularly if you carry a generational anointing. There are times when people will look down upon you. I kind of wish the youth would have been in here this morning because I feel like I got a word from someone right now. 
and your mom and dad serve God and they live right and grandma and grandpa serve God and they live right, not everybody comes and gives you a fair shake because they hold you accountable to what to, to the success of your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and they want to put you on a pedestal somewhere. Listen, we all are prone to human nature. And yes, sometimes people will look down upon you because you're blessing and you are blessed by the heritage that you have. I'm blessed by the heritage that I have. I didn't just come into this thing and try to figure it all out. I was born. I was born and three days later was in a church service. Grew up under a church pew listening to my dad preach and sing and 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 and, and have been to more prayer meetings than, than most of America has been to church services. And and, and there is some requirements that come to that, but not everybody looks at it uh, desirable. Even sometimes your closest friend or even your family may even despise you. Joseph's brother hated and envied him. Jephthah's brother ostracized him. David's brothers looked down upon him. Jesus' brothers uh, doubted him. But listen to me, friend of mine. It's part of the process that God is taking you through because wherever you start, wherever you launch, God has the ability to grow you from there and to take you further. Listen, I'm blessed with three wonderful young men that I get to call my sons, two of them 25 years old and one of them 29 year old. Every one of them, every one of them in the work of God, doing the work of God. When I listen to them preach, I'm amazed because I grew up in the house with them. Every time that I watch God use them and they walk to this pulpit and they operate in their own unique and individual giftings and God begins to use them in powerful ways and hearts are moved and lives are touched, it would be real easy for me to pull out the pen and say, ah, well, I remember when. Well, I remember, do you remember this? And do you, all oh, because that's how men have a tendency to look. But God looks into the heart of a shepherd boy that was right right before God and had a made up mind that regardless what happens in my life he knew he already had heard the prayers purge me with hyssop that I may be clean wash me that I may be whiter than snow that's the man after my own heart Moses a great leader of God's people was also relegated tending sheep for 40 years on the backside of a Midian desert. But there while tending sheep, he found God there. God appeared unto him at the most inopportune time. <laughs> Let me tell you what seasons of loneliness have taught me. I know I hear people say, well, you got to seek those seasons of loneliness. Well, you go ahead with that. I'm fine. have enough seasons of loneliness when you feel like nobody knows where you are, nobody knows what you're going through. You know, you got to walk into the office at work and you got to smile at everybody. You got to be kind to everybody. You got to, you got to act, but, but what's going on in your heart is you're in a season of loneliness when nobody knows where you are and nobody knows what you're going through and you, you, your, your pillow becomes wet.
bed at night because of the tears that you were crying because nobody understands you and nobody knows where you are. Listen, child of God, stay alone with him. Stay alone with him. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. So many people want to launch out into the deep before they've learned to wade in the shallows. Stay in your place of calling because there you're going to find God. There you're going to be ready. If David would have gotten his battles out of order, he would have never killed a giant, a lion, or a bear. But he had to get he had to get it, it all in order. God brings one battle and then a next battle and then the next battle. But every time he's preparing you for a greater battle where you might not you may not be in a place that you desire to be or that you long to be, but hold on right where you are, child of God. Trust him to fulfill his promises in your life. You're right where God wants you to be. Because he's preparing you because God knows your heart. Everybody in this place of being ready, your heart is ready. And if you can feel that heartbeat, I want you to understand something. While God is not talking about the physical muscle, it's how we look at it. He's actually talking about that very inner core of your limbic brain, I believe, is what he was talking about. But when you place your hand upon your heart and you feel that heart beat, you feel that heart beating, and I want you to understand God is calculating. He knows the very thoughts and intents Pastor, there's so much about me that I need to work on. God saw that. He saw it in David too. But also he heard the heart's cry of surely, 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 surely. Listen, spiritual responsibility places you in high demand. The enemy wants to take you out. If the enemy can get through to your heart, if the enemy can change your heart, if the enemy can get you to, to, to turn your to turn around and turn your back on God and walk away because the pain is too great and the hurt is too great and what you are facing is so great and the enemy can cause you to say, if this is what serving God is like, I don't want anything to do with it. I want to walk away from it. If the enemy can get you thinking like that, he's won half the battle. But somewhere in the midst of everything that is going on, anchor your heart in the fact that no matter what you go through, like Job would say, though he slay me, yet, yet will I trust him. It doesn't matter what I face, my mind is made up. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I want to see a specific purpose for that call. We're saying in the, in the reality of it all, it's all to advance his kingdom. But you can't do that without an anchor. Every person in this room this morning has the seed of greatness within you. But listen, between David's anointing and David's kingship was a lifetime of failure and misstep. 
And as I said at the beginning of this message, and I'll bring it to you again because it's so important. God has always made room for humanity. And he always For those of you who think you deserve elevation, you're dismissed. I, I can't, I, I have nothing left to say. But for those of us who recognize that we're broken, we have flaws, we've got missteps and mistakes all over our life. And I recognize that I need God's grace and I need His mercy. And you're in good company. And this word is for you today. But you've got to make up your mind. No matter what direction you've been walking in your life, you can change it today. You can change it today. But you've got to make up your mind. Goodness and mercy shall follow you. You can't do it on your own. No, you can't. But you can make a change. And that change begins at the point of repentance. That's, that change begins when a mindset of change, because God isn't looking for your perfection. He's looking for someone who will be faithful until his great grace makes room for your human failures. The law was all about perfection. There was no leniency in law. Sin led to death. Adultery led to stoning. Stealing would cost a man his hand. Murder would cost a man his own life. There were no do-overs with the law. The law said you must be perfect, but Jesus Christ walks on the scene full of grace and truth. No, we don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace, the unmerited favor of God. And all you've got to do is make up your mind. My past is not going to affect my future. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me. Fall on your knees and repent where you are and declare, God, reveal me to myself. Let me see my faults and failures. Let me lay them under the blood. No matter who tells you that God's looking for your perfection, I want you to know that God is a God of grace. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Oh, sometimes we want to quote over and over again, only a the righteous are going to see the Lord. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But none of us are righteous, the Bible tells us. No, not one. Our righteousness are like filthy rags. We're worthless, useless. The only thing that makes us worth anything is the blood of Jesus. The only thing that makes us worth anything is because of the blood of Jesus. I come this morning to tell you that blood is available to you this morning. That blood is available to wash and cleanse 
loves you this morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the room right now. He loves you more than you love yourself. He sees the good in you when you don't see the good in yourself. He cares more about you than you or anybody you know cares about you. He loves you. He died for you. He shed his blood for you. And he beckons you to come to the cross. Come to the altar. Come to the throne of grace. Come under the blood this morning and let him wash you and cleanse you so you can declare surely, surely, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me. Lift your hands all over the room right now and just let the Lord flood your soul right now. Let him flood your soul right now. Let him flood your soul right now. Stand to your feet with me. Lift your hands. I've got more preaching to do, but the Lord says now. I've got to open these altars right now for somebody that needs to come under the blood right now. Somebody that needs to come bury some sins and pain beneath the cross right now. And let him start you over afresh and anew so that you too can declare surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me. Come on, lift your voice in prayer unto the Lord right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Grace is one of his unreasonable ways. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, that's that's how far our transgressions are removed from us. There's, there's an endless, there is an endless distance from the east and the west. He loves you so much. He loves you more. He loves you in a manner that is, it is incomprehensible because the distance is unmeasurable between east and west. Mercy is here for you this morning. I'm opening these altars today. I'm not going to tarry any longer. If God's speaking to a heart this morning. And somebody in this room knows that you need to come beneath that cross this morning and let that blood flow upon you today. I open these altars. Isaiah the prophet declares in his very first chapter, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be, shall be white. Snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as new wool. Listen, your beginning doesn't determine your destiny. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed with me in the room right now. I believe God is speaking to hearts right now. God is calling you right now. Your mistake doesn't doesn't doom your future. His goodness is following you. His mercy is following you. I think the songwriter maybe had it right when he said his goodness is running after me. There's mercy still being offered for you today. If God had not covered us with his grace, each of us would be overdrawn on our account today, but his grace and his mercy is still reaching. Therefore, goodness and mercy can follow you. Call out to the Lord right now, church. Let's just talk to the Lord. 
let's just talk to the Lord. He's reaching for somebody today. I don't believe his word went out void this morning. He's reaching for somebody. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is here for you this morning. It's up to you. It's up to you. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Let's come to a point of realizing and recognizing our human failure and weakness. But we have to fall at the altar before him. Oh, Jesus. 